It is Unleashed, episode 46, with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Episode 46 for Friday, November 18th, 2022. Famous 46s, Doug Plank, remember him with the Bears. Tim McDonald, the former 49er. Delaney Walker, 49er. Todd Christensen, Raider. Lee Smith, Hall of Famer. And, of course, Woody Kirk Reader. Famous 46s for episode 46. Warriors panic in an all-time high. They've done this before, right? Is Durant the answer? His name keeps coming up. The pack won't be back, and that's good news for the 49ers. Get in my belly and one for the road, the judge ball. Let's go. What's happening? Happy Friday. It is November 18th, episode 46. John Lund, KNBR Radio in San Francisco. Thank you for making Unleashed your first stop for various sports each weekday morning. Please listen to what you are doing. Thank you. Spread the word, subscribe, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. My day job, as I told you, KNBR Radio in San Francisco with the voice of the 49ers, Craig Papa, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays. Interact any old time, what you like, what you hate, questions, comments. Always bring up stuff and ask it to let me know how you feel. At John Lund Radio, it's on Twitter, Instagram, all the places that you like to be. So make sure that you hit me up. And if you are new to the podcast, thank you for, very much for making the time. We appreciate it. You uh, stopping by. If you are new, we do a, a few different things. Uh, we use a lot of sound. We have a lot of fun. Love to get uh, interaction, as I said. We'll start everything off with the leadoff spot, the big story of the day. Got a few stories after that. Then we'll hit one for the road, which today is the guy with the Aaron Judge home run ball. He's an interesting fellow. Let's get to it. Start off with, of course, panic. Not at the disco, but with the Warriors. It's today's big lead. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. But I'm looking at the body language of the Golden State Warriors, the champs, and it's not the same swag that we've become accustomed to seeing. It's a concerning look. They're well aware of it, but they've got to find a way to get themselves out of this hole right now. I get it. I have consistently said that I will be the last violin player on the Titanic, but they've won, they've done it so many times, the Warriors, and yeah, not exactly this rendition of the gang, but they've done it so many times with Steph, Dre, and Clay. and yes, I know Clay isn't Clay yet and may never be, but I'm going to stay on this thing until the end. So I was looking, I was thinking about this, losing streaks, and have they gone through this before? Because, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, well, if this would happen in the middle of the season, would anyone have noticed. Well, people would have noticed because if you look at title years, I'm just going to look at title years for the Warriors. So since 14-15, they had four two-game losing streaks on the way to their first title went 67-15. and Their second title was the 16-17 year. They went 67-15. and Their worst stretch was a 2-4. and Their third title, uh, this is when winning games became less important because they had won 73 and didn't win the title. So they went, wait a minute, why were we killing ourselves during the season? So they started to kind of pull back a little bit. They went 54 and 28. They went 5 and 7 to finish the season, and they lost 3 of 4. Then they went 16 and 5 in the playoffs and swept the finals. So right now they're 6 and 9 over a 15 game stretch. Their third title season, 17 18 year, they went 5 and 7 to finish the season and turned it on. And I do remember a bit of panic, although the difference, well, I'll tell you in just a second what the difference is. And then their fourth title, which was last season, 53 and 29, they had that torrid 18 and 2 start. And then they had a stretch of 3-6 and six from January 5 to Jan 20. 
They won nine in a row. Then they lost four or five. They lost five in a row from February 27th to March 7th. And from February 27th to March 30th, and this is a huge stretch, February 27th to March 30th last year, in route to winning a title, they went 5-12. and 12, And over that time, they had losing streaks of 5, 3, and 4 games. So last year, they had this go on. And we have short memories. You don't remember what was going on. I do remember panic at, uh, at the disco last year when they went 5-12. and 12, But here's the major difference. Because I'm, I did this to say, well, they've done this before. It's just the beginning of the season. They really haven't. Because in those cases where I talked about the losing streaks, there was somebody who was hurt whether it was Steph, whether it was Clay, whether it was Dre, somebody just wasn't right. And if you look at this team, I guess you could still say that Clay Thompson's injured. He is fighting back uh, still from those multiple injuries. We're sitting here on Friday, November 18th. Clay is four days away from the two-year anniversary of the Achilles. That was also the time, that was also the day that they drafted James Wiseman. November 22, remember this was all the pandemic and all this weird stuff. I know that the draft is normally in June and we forget quickly, but that was not a great day. In Warriors history, drafting James Wiseman over LaMelo Ball and Klay Thompson tearing his Achilles, uh, his Achilles. That was on November 22nd, 2020, in the midst of the pandemic. So that's where they found themselves. So I did. I tried to go back and look and say it's, it, those th- it's because it's the, uh, the beginning of the season and we wouldn't notice. But really, last year, you could say 5-12, and 12, but they had injuries at the end of, of the last season. And going into the playoffs, people didn't think they were going to win a championship. So that's the closest they've gotten last year's 53-29, and 29, where they got off to that 18-2 and two start. And that really did raise expectations. And then after that, with the losing streak, people going into the playoffs, everyone kind of went, I'm not sure about this team. But I'm staying on board just because of Curry's Curry. And Draymond Green gets motivated. He's just not motivated early in the season. He's playing okay, but he was not good in Phoenix. Uh, Clay is the biggest question mark. And then the young guys. And the one thing I'll consistently say before I get into uh, something that we've been talking about a lot on KNBR and could be the answer, or maybe you don't want to do it, at John Lund Radio, you can always hit me up. But what they've got to do and what Steve Kerr's got to do is they just have to bite the bullet and play the young guys. Uh, Jermichael Green is not a backup five. He's not a backup anything. Uh, The last couple of years of his career, he's found himself out of the rotation by the end of the season. I, I don't love the pickup, and I could look stupid by saying this by the end of the season. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is just okay. Uh, you drafted these guys, and I understand you got to earn the minutes, but Clay Thompson isn't playing like Clay Thompson, and he's star- still starting, and he's still finishing games. So he's not exactly earning the minutes, and I love Clay, and it pains me to say it, but that's just a fact. So I understand that he's got a lot of pelts on the wall, and that's the difference between him and the rookies. But reality is, James Wiseman's better than Jermichael Green as the backup center. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I've said this consistently, and Moses Moody has given the Warriors no reason not to trust him. And I know there's going to be bumps in the road. But we all do this in life. We do things now, to th- and our, our later selves will thank us. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for saving this money. Thank you for you know, going through this, whatever it is that you have to go through, so that you can have a better life later on, so that things can be better. Well, that's what the Warriors have to think. You're... Your older self will thank you. Later in the season, will thank you for putting these guys in the game and just telling them, we're going to play you guys, man. You're going to get your 20 minutes. Didn't Steve Kerr just a couple of weeks ago after the game against New Orleans say Jonathan Kaminga has earned minutes in the rotation? Doesn't look like it to me. And every time these guys look over to the bench, they hang their head like if my dog poops in the house. He looks at me and his head's down and he's like, yeah, I know I did wrong. And he kind of puts his tail between his legs and, and it takes a few minutes and then he's back to his normal self. But... That's what happens with these guys. They look over at Steve Kerr. They look over the bench, and they're like, yeah, I know I screwed it up. They're thinking too much. 
they've just got to say, look, we made this commitment to these guys. We let Otto Porter go and Gary Payton the second go and and Damian Lee go and those guys in individually you'd say yeah, that's not that big of a deal, but collectively they gave them something off the bench and that's one of the differences of the season. Would they not be 6 and 9? I don't know. But that you know, as we point to different things whether it's Clay Thompson, whether it's young guys not stepping up, whether it's the recent additions, whether it's just not finding the rotations, you know, all the different things that we've spoken about, defense in general, effort in general, that's one of the things is they said to themselves, okay, these young guys, they're going to have to step up. And in Moody's case especially, I don't know what he's doing wrong. Uh, he's a trustworthy guy. Every time that you hear the Warriors speak of him, whether it be somebody in the front office, a player, or Steve Kerr, we trust him implicitly. He's, a, he's a mature beyond his years. Well, then, then why can't he get consistent minutes? And as far as James Wiseman is concerned, I get it. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he's got to work through those things. He's not learning them from the bench. And he may or may not learn them in Santa Cruz. You, we always look at Jordan Poole as the, as the guy that – we always look to Jordan Poole as the guy you kind of say, okay, he's going to do that. Okay. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But they knew that he had played three college games when they took him ahead of Lamella Ball, who would have fit much better. And we got into this conversation yesterday. We know that bigs take longer. We also know – that after the bubble, everybody was clamoring for size because Anthony Davis had, had bludgeoned the heat a little bit, and everybody said, you know what, we're coming back, not all the way to where we used to be. We're not going to ever, the NBA's never going to get back to the big man league that it was with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Wilt and Bill Russell and Shaq and Hakeem and Ewing and blah, 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 David Robinson. It's never going to be those years. It's never going to be those days. Those guys would play much differently because they would have been raised much differently. It's never going to be that, but... At that particular moment, people thought maybe, just maybe, you needed some size, especially in the Western Conference, and you didn't. And so you either compound the problem and let the guy rot down at uh, Santa Cruz, or you play the guy at some point and say, we just got, we got to play him, and we got to tell him you're getting 15 to 20, and it doesn't matter what you do. And I think that would do absolute wonders. We're looking at the NFL this year, and look, I'm not saying Justin Fields is, is perfect, but the Bears are letting him play, and he's becoming, he's figuring out who he is. That's what happens with guys. Josh Allen, go down the line. Now, the NFL is a little bit different. The NFL is a little bit harder. And we made a comp with James Wiseman to Trey Lance. It's a lot harder for Trey Lance when you're the quarterback and the ball's in your hand every single play. There's a massive difference between Jimmy on the field, who's a veteran, and Trey Lance. And you had to take baby steps with Trey Lance. You had to put training wheels on with Trey Lance. You don't have to do that with James Wiseman. You just tell him, look, this is your limited role. We just need you to rim run, play defense, block some shots, be active. I know that's easier said than done, but he's not being given a role like Trey Lance, and I find it hard to believe that he could not do that if given the right set of confidence, if, set, if being told, look, you're gonna, this is your time. Don't worry about it. Don't look over the bench when you screw up. We'll talk about it later. Just play. I think that would do miracles. Anyway, the other thing that's kind of interesting to me, and we keep talking about this, and if worse comes to worse, it could be revisited, and that is the Kevin Durant talk. Now, it's growing louder and louder locally, uh, I don't know what's going on in Brooklyn with it. Uh, Kevin Durant was in Northern California to take on the Kings. They gave up 153 points, did the Nets in a loss. He talked to our good friend, Mark Spears, who we have on my show on KNBR every couple of weeks, and he sounded like he was the happiest guy on earth. One of the things about Kevin Durant is he's just a miserable dude. But he sounded like he was the happiest guy on earth, talked about why he walked back to trade requests, said he wants to stay, is excited to get Kyrie back. Okay, we'll see. Uh, I think at some point he's going to revisit the trade talk. He's going to get frustrated with losing. He's one of the ultimate competitors. He loves winning. 
And I think that at some point he's going to say, you know what, this isn't for me because Kyrie Irving's going to come back and Kyrie Irving's going to do something stupid again. This is what he does. Nobody's denying his talent. Great talent. Complete bonehead off the, off the court. Whether you agree with what he says or not, I'm not saying whether I do or not. It's the distraction that he constantly has for his team. The Celtics let him go, and they got better. <laughs> that happens. He is the, right now, the perfect example of addition by subtraction. And at some point, I believe that Kevin Durant is going to get sick of that. So we were just talking yesterday on the show on KMBR that, okay, Andrew Wiggins has to be in the deal because he makes $33 million. Durant makes $44 million. You've got to make the uh, salaries match up. So he's got to go in. Wiseman makes $9 million bucks. I don't know what the, the Nets think of him. And then you either put Poole or Kaminga in there to round it out, and it works out perfectly. Now, in my world, I put Cam Thomas coming back the other way, a shooting guard for Brooklyn. This probably never, ever happens. But we constantly say, oh, that's not going to happen. James Harden got sick of it, and he wanted out. You see superstars do it all the time. And Durant, while he wanted out and the Nets said no bueno, if he really digs his heels in like some superstars do, like many have, uh, the organization at one point has no choice. Now, he could go behind the scenes and say, look, I can either do this publicly and hurt your leverage, or I could do this privately, and I would just like to go back to Golden State, and they're going to give you the best offer. Now, in the offseason, according to some, they wanted all the young guys and all the picks and all those things. They don't have leverage like that, especially if Kevin Durant says, I want to go. So you'd be looking at a starting lineup of Durant, Curry, Dre, Looney, and Clay. Did I say Clay twice? No. Durant, Curry, Dre, Looney, and Clay. Uh, I said Cam Thomas. I don't know if he'd come back. He's a former first-round pick, and he could score decently. Uh, but DiVincenzo would be in there. You'd have Kaminga in there. You'd have Jamichael Green, not my favorite. Ty Jerome. I think that they would win. That team would win the title because you'd have Curry and you'd have Durant. Uh, Durant would defend in that case as well. But, you know, the future, if, if you lost, I, I think they would take Poole and a deal like that. So you're looking at Poole, Wiggins, and Leisman. You'd still have Kaminga. I don't know how many first-round picks you'd have to do. I mean, you could find yourself at some point in the situation the Lakers are. You're old. You're broken down. But is it worth, I don't know, two more titles? Kevin Durant's playing at a really high level right now. Joe Lacob has, has said that they've done it the right way and that they – want to have the present and the future, and they did that perfectly last year. They had the present, won a championship, and they kept the future intact. That's as well as you can do it. And we see that teams, after they win a bunch of championships, they just uh, the Bulls have never recovered from Jordan and Pippen, and they've never recovered from that. It took the Celtics a long time. I mean, go on down the line. A lot of teams that make long – San Antonio, the Spurs, we saw them the other night. <laughs> I don't know when they're going to get better. Greg Popovich is, is along for the ride, and I think that's admirable because most coaches would just leave – as soon as the run was over, but you're seeing how difficult it is if you don't have that core Steph Curry player to rebuild this thing. It takes a long time, and for the fans, it's frustrating. And Joe Lacob has the chase center, and he wants to fill it up. So if he goes Kevin Durant for a couple of years, wonderful. He gets it filled up. They're a champion. They probably hoist a couple more trophies, and then they're back in the dregs where they used to be for years, and Joe Lacob doesn't want to do that. So give me your thoughts. Would you take Durant? Would you trade all of that I'm starting to think that I would, even though, like I said, I'm trying to be the last guy in the Titanic, but I may have to relent and make this trade. It's not one that I would want to make, or at least initially I did not. Greg Papa wanted to, has wanted to this whole time. Give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio, that is your lead. The Warriors panic next. I feel like there's been attempts with questions for the last month or so to try and get you to give a 
relax or run the table, right? Like, and you keep saying, look, those have to come from somewhere. But forget about us. What do you do to kind of rally the guys in the locker room? Like, well, it's got to be multiple guys. You know, it can't just be one person. Otherwise, the voice kind of gets drowned out by the uh, the white noise of the standardness. So it's got to be multiple guys saying the same the same things. Um, so it's a call to all the leaders in the football team, not just the six elected captains. Um, but we got to play up to our potential. If we play up to our potential, we can win our last six games. I'm confident of that. Obviously, I got to play up to my potential tonight, wasn't it? That's Aaron Rodgers, and I am. I guess I'm quick. Part of my personality is I am quick to write teams off, to write players off. But in this case, I feel pretty good about it. The Packers lose to the Titans on Thursday Night Football, 27-17 at Lambeau Field, and that knocked. And I look at 5:38 to look at playoff percentages and playoff chances. So that knocked the Packers down 19% after that loss down to 5%. They are 4-7. and seven. A lot would have, have to happen near the bottom of the NFC, and the Packers would have to go on that run 4-7. and seven. So the best they can do at this point is 10-7. and seven. Now, 10 gets you in the playoffs, and that's six in a row. But they have shown no signs of being able to be consistent, and they beat the Cowboys last week in overtime at Lambeau, 31-28. They came back from 28-14, and now I look at them, and I just don't see it. So that is good news for the 49ers. And even though you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, Lund, they beat the Packers all the time in the playoffs. I'm not afraid of the Packers. All I'm saying, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I would fear him regardless of what they've done in the playoffs in the past. There's one big reason I'll get to it in a second. But in, in regards to playoff chances, which I love talking about at this point of the season as we enter week 11 now, in the NFC, according to uh, 538, the website 538, the Eagles are 99% in at 8-1. The Vikings are 8-1, same thing, 99%. Seattle leading the NFC West right now, they're 77%, but their division uh, chances are only 36%, which is interesting. Tampa next, 5-5, five five, 83%. The Giants, they'd be wild card one, 7 2, 76% chance. The Cowboys, wild card two, 6-3, 93% chance. The computer thinks they're going to jump the uh, Giants, and then the 49ers would be your last and seventh seed, the wild card three. And the computer likes the 49ers, 82% for playoffs, 60% for the division. And this is a fun game that you can play at 538, and you should, because you're not going to work today. It's Friday. If the 49ers beat the Cardinals, they get a 9% jump up to 91%. And if they beat Arizona and New Orleans, their next two, then they jump 12% up to 94%. So they find themselves right now at 5-4. and four. I think they're going to be 7-4. and four. I think they beat the Cardinals uh, in Mexico City on Monday night, which will have a free pre- – uh, by the way, a full preview coming up in the uh, next podcast, episode 47. But uh, that's the one as far as the next two on four, 538. Again, 94% if they win their next two. The other team that I fear, the Rams, are only at 6%. So I think that the Packers and Rams are done. I'm not – no revelations here, but that's – to me, those are two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in that matter. So Rodgers and Stafford out. And right now, the playoff quarterbacks, and this is important, would be Hertz, Cousins, Geno Smith, Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, Dak, and Jimmy G. Hertz, Cousins, Geno, Brady, Daniel Jones, Dak, and Jimmy G. The quarterback isn't everything. I understand that. There are teams there. The Eagles, for example, they have a really good defense. They added in Dominick Sue yesterday, which I, he, I wanted him for the 49ers. 
Uh, but Cousins hasn't proven in the playoffs. Geno hasn't proven in the playoffs. Daniel Jones hasn't proven in the playoffs. Dak is up and down in the playoffs. The 49ers beat him. Brady's the only guy, really, that you walk in and you go, oh, Brady. And normally it's the opposite. You look at the teams and you go, wow, the playoffs. I mean, look over to the AFC. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, the, the cream of the crop quarterbacks in the AFC, those are, those are the teams that are leading the, the divisions in the AFC outside of Ryan Tannehill. So that's normally what it is in the playoffs. You're going to be playing really good quarterbacks. So to me, the chances the 49ers get in, the, 40, the chances the, the 49ers can do damage once they are in, and the one thing is the computer loves the 49ers over the Seahawks. In order to do that, though, they've got to win that game up in Seattle, and that has not been an easy thing. But the computer is assuming because of their schedule, and we all know we've gone over it a ton of times in the podcast, they don't leave the West Coast. After they come back from Mexico City, uh, there's only two remaining road games among the final seven, and they're in Las Vegas and Seattle, so those aren't far trips, but they got to win that game in Seattle. There you go. There's a quick update on the NFC, and the Packers, I said, I think I did this yesterday on Monty Python. Not dead yet. Well, the uh, my Peter Brady voice, because I'm a, a little scratchy this morning, but uh, yeah, let's officially have a funeral for the Packers. They are done. Next. Laments 1-2. Bellinger hits one in the air. Right center field. Back there again. Bellinger second of the day. Why would I be playing a Cody Bellinger home run? Well, I could look stupid, which is nothing new to me, uh, by later in the day. But it is Friday morning when I record this podcast, Unleashed, with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. And it is episode 46, by the way, at John Lund Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Hit me up, and I'll use the best ones on the podcast. So I'm recording this Friday morning, the 18th of November. So this may already be done. But uh, the fact that the Dodgers are waiting so long to offer or not offer Cody Bellinger a deal is noteworthy. It's projected to be at about $18 million. He uh, could get non-tendered, which would make him an automatic free agent. He is, as you know, the 2017 Rookie of the Year, 2019 MVP. In his first three years in the majors, he averaged 40 home runs in his first three years. But in his last three, he's only hit 195 with a 642 OPS. He has not been good. You know that. You're a Giants fan. However, the thing that's interesting to me is that, and why teams may or may not be interested. Now, John Morosi said yesterday if they didn't offer him a contract, the Cubs, the Blue Jays, and Yankees, among others, may be interested in him. But the Dodgers do know how to develop players. As much as you may not like them, you have to give them that. So despite his tools, I'm a little skeptical that Cody Bellinger could get back to 2019 levels. But he is what the Giants are looking for, even if he's just good and not 2019 MVP good. He's a 25 to 30 home run guy. Uh, He could hit 230 to 240, I think. He's athletic. He has center field abilities, and he's above average. He's got speed, way above average defense. And I'd rather pay and take a chance on Cody Bellinger as a well-rounded player if they can get his bat going versus Jock Peterson, who I still scratch my head over. Nothing personal, Jock. Love you. Uh, love everything he does. Love him as a person. I've had him on the show before. He's a great guy, but he's a one-dimensional player. He's a designated hitter. He's not a good defensive player. He wasn't in good shape last year. He's an up-and-down, inconsistent player. He's everything that the, that the Giants said they were trying to get away from, and they just gave him $20 million. And the Dodgers are sitting there going, do we want to give Cody Bellinger $20 million? I would. Uh, Farhan Zaidi was obviously in the front office for the Dodgers when Bellinger was around. Everybody seems to like him. Everybody seems to praise his work ethic, so it's not that. 
Uh, this all goes back to a home run that he hit in the playoffs against the Braves, and he was doing you know, those arm things that they do where you hook the arms, and, you, and he, it was a big home run. It tied up the game at three, and that's when he hit, hurt his shoulder, and he hasn't really come back from it. Now, maybe he's beyond that, and it's just weird. I don't know. But I'm just going to say that I would take Cody Bellinger. I would take a chance on Cody Bellinger. Would I take a $20 million chance on Cody Bellinger? I guess I just said I would. Uh, they, they already signed Jock Peterson to $20 million. So for what you could have had Aaron Judge for, maybe I'm talking myself out of this, for about $40 million a year, you're getting Bellinger and Jock Peterson. Is that money well spent? Would you want Belly? Give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio. And by the way, in his 2025 predictions, we have Jim Bowden on the show all the time, the former general manager of the Washington Nationals and the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, he was on our show the other day, and he works for The Athletic, among other things, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, in his 25 predictions, he didn't put a lot on the Giants as far as free agents. I didn't see anything, as a matter of fact. But he did drop this nugget. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are controversially elected to the Hall of Fame by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee on December 4th, and the news blows up on sports talk shows as the winter meetings get underway so look that would be great I've been a big proponent of Barry Bonds if you're not in the Bay Area I get it this is his safe haven we've talked about it a million times it's the oldest not the oldest I mean but it's it's one of those go-to's on a slow day here in the Bay Area where you stumble onto the Barry Bonds talk so I'm not going to go deep into it but that's one to bear watching because I don't think that Jim Bowden just throws stuff out he must know something hear something Uh, I doubt it because if you don't know anything about the contemporary baseball era committee it's for guys who struck out in their 10 opportunities to try to get in it's generally older uh, writers uh, veteran players who are in the hall of fame and those are the type of players and media that are keeping Barry Bonds out of the hall of fame so Jim Bowden maybe knows something I still doubt it next Michael Kay on the uh, Yes Network. That was the night in Texas where, of course, Aaron Judge, by the way, who was named on 28 of 30 ballots and won the MVP. And we'll still, we're still waiting for his hot stove to heat up, although uh, I'm on record on the podcast and on my show on KMBR to be skeptical now of Aaron Judge coming to the Giants where I was once optimistic, but we'll see on that one. But this story is about the home run ball. Corey Yeomans is a 35-year-old from Dallas. He's the one who caught that ball, uh, that 60-second home run ball. And he's already turned down a $2 million offer. Then he got a $3 million offer for that October 4th ball at Globe Life in Arlington, Texas. So he has turned down $3 million for it. And now through Golden Auctions, uh, this thing is going to go to auction. And some people think it's going to be a $4 million ball. By the way, the most ever paid for a home run ball like this, similar, Mark McGuire's 70 went for $3.04 million. So... I would imagine that this, just because given that things go up and up and up, that this guy probably, he's a smart guy. He's a financial guy. He said he's not a multimillionaire or anything. There was some early uh, speculation that he had quite a few bucks in his pocket. He's denying that and saying that he does not, but which is a smart thing to do because you don't want people to know you're a rich guy. People do weird things. But anyway, I digress. 
So he says after weeks of uh, deep conversations with his wife and sports reporters and his lawyer, they decided to go with Golden Auctions and put this thing up here in a couple of weeks. And it's going to be interesting to see because $3 million bucks. I don't know about you, at John Lund Radio, if somebody offered me $3 million bucks for the ball, I'd take it. Uh, there is a little bit of a controversy. Some people think he should have given it back to Aaron Judge. Uh, the night he caught the ball, the Yankees got a hold of him and said, hey, here's a bunch of memorabilia, and here's a bat, and here's some signed stuff. And he, I think, smartly said, look, it's a lottery ticket. Let me think about it. They ushered him out of the stadium, and he came back and, and said, thanks, but no thanks. And he's gotten those 2 and $3 million offers. To me, I'd have done the same thing. We got to get into a big conversation about it on my radio show on KBR, which is, should you give the guy the ball back? You know, it's it's historic. It's his. It's not yours. I would say possessions nine-tenths of the law. He didn't steal it. It was hit to him. He caught it. He made the play. A lot of people would have bungled the play. It's a $3 million lottery ticket flying right at you. A lot of people would be nervous. I think most people would say to themselves, oh, I'd catch it, no problem. I don't know. It's a $3 million lottery ticket. There's a bunch of people jumping all over you, and there's no pass interference when it comes to a lottery ticket. And that's why he, they, they literally grabbed him and said, you got to get out of here, man. Uh, they authenticated the ball and, and got him out of there. So we'll see what it, uh, what it goes for. I would have sold it for $3 million. There's no question about it. I wouldn't have gone through the hassle. $3 million bucks is a ton of money. Uncle Sam gets his chunk. I think to myself, hey, you know, I get a, I get a couple of million bucks out of this, uh, this home run ball. Not too bad. I don't have to go through the publicity of it. Maybe he gets $4 million. Maybe I'd be down a million bucks. What would you do? Would you have given it back? Would you go to auction? Would you take $3 million? That is today's One for the Road. And that is Unleashed. Episode 46 for Friday, November 18th, 2022. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Hit me up on my day job. KMBR Radio in San Francisco from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And interact any old time at John Lund Radio. Episode 47, which will drop on Monday morning. We will have a full preview of the 49ers and Cardinals from Mexico City. That's it. Episode 46 for Friday, November 18th with me, John Lund, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.